This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Friday, May 21st, 2021. On this day in 1998, anti-abortion extremists attacked five clinics in Miami using butyric acid. Within days, multiple other Florida facilities were targeted, contributing to a swell of anti-abortion violence. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these attacks, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes depictions and discussions of violence that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the assaults on five Miami clinics by anti-abortion crusaders. Let's go back to one of those clinics on the morning of May 21st, 1998. The scariest part of Rosaela Baladejo's day was walking from her car to the front door of her office. She was a secretary at the Advanced Women's Center in Miami, Florida. The clinic offered a variety of reproductive health care services, including abortions. Rosael was already nervous because protesters had picketed outside the building not long before. Ever since the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision in 1973, physicians and clinics faced vandalism, shootings, and even bombings. 1998 was already shaping up to be one of the worst years in recent history. On January 29th, a nail bomb disguised in a potted plant went off in front of a clinic in Birmingham, Alabama. 35-year-old security guard and off-duty cop Robert Sanderson discovered the device in the bushes. When it was detonated, he died instantly. 41-year-old nurse Emily Lyons had just arrived for work and was nearly killed in the blast as well. The culprit was domestic terrorist Eric Robert Rudolph, who had bombed the Summer Olympics game in Atlanta, Georgia in 1996. The 31-year-old had also wounded four individuals at a lesbian bar in Atlanta the year before. Until Rudolph started bombing abortion clinics, pro-life militants had quieted down since a rash of killing sprees in the early 90s, but the peace didn't last long. On May 20, 1998, the Florida governor rejected a state license plate that would read, Choose Life. For people like Rosaela Baladejo, their lives were at risk every day they went into work. On the morning of May 21st, the protesters and their signs were gone from the strip mall. Yet as Rosael rushed from her parking spot to the office door, she still felt like she was in danger. When her hands grasped the locked door, she breathed a sigh of relief. But her expression changed the moment she stepped into the office. A rancid stench knocked her back. It was like walking into a wall of stale vomit. 
Rosael quickly left the room to wait for the smell to air out. After a few minutes, she stepped back in and found the stench was still there. That's when she noticed the sickly greenish-yellow puddle on the floor. She figured the AC was leaking again or that an animal had somehow died in the ceiling. She grabbed a mop and wiped up the puddle, thinking that would be the end of it. When the clinic opened, Rosael couldn't get the odor out of the lobby. Not only that, but she felt like she couldn't get it out of her chest. She'd taken a huge breath of stinky fumes and struggled to stop herself from hacking and coughing. As time drew on, the feeling only got worse. Her lungs felt like they were on fire. A doctor came over to check up on her. Choking the words out, Rosael told them about the green-yellow fluid and how she breathed in the fumes. The physician immediately ordered the clinic closed, evacuated everyone out of the office, and called an ambulance for Rosael. The puddle wasn't from the old AC unit. It was butyric acid, a corrosive chemical that caused Rosael to suffer a respiratory attack. As paramedics wheeled Rosael away on a stretcher, she had no idea the incident was anything more than vandalism. Four other abortion clinics were attacked that same morning around Miami. In at least one, the acid was slipped in through the mail slot. In the other instances, it was pumped through cracks in the doors and windows. The reports were all too familiar to authorities. Just five days earlier, three other clinics had been hit with the same type of acid. A third wave of attacks struck Central Florida five days after Rosael was taken to the ER. The violence was only just beginning. Up next, we'll look into the causes of the anti-abortion attacks. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On May 21, 1998, the Advanced Women's Center and four other clinics in Miami, Florida, were targets of anti-abortion terrorism. An unidentified attacker poured noxious acid through mail slots, door cracks, and holes drilled into the wall. Although no one was critically injured, the message was clear. Be afraid. Between May 16th and May 26th, a total of 10 clinics were hit with butyric acid. No group claimed responsibility, and because no one was seriously hurt, the incidents only made minor headlines. 
However, 1998 grew into one of the deadliest years for anti-abortion violence, and a simple newsletter might have been what set it all into motion. Several weeks before the May attacks, Iowa-based publication Prayer and Action Weekly News published a four-part speculative novel called Rescue Platoon. It told the story of Christian vigilantes calling themselves the Army of God. After former Confederate states outlawed abortion, the group waged a holy war against healthcare clinics. Perhaps the most chilling thing about Rescue Platoon was that its central group, the Army of God, actually existed. It was made up of real people who really targeted pro-choice figures. The coalition had been active since the early 80s, launching relatively non-lethal campaigns against abortion doctors and clinics. But around 1990, the group changed, going from making loud pro-life statements to spreading terror and mayhem. They were mostly known for the manual they followed, which taught members how to construct and use homemade C4 and ammonium nitrate bombs. It also advocated torture and included instructions on making and using butyric acid. The Army of God was classified as a domestic terrorist group by the FBI. Strangely, though, the group never claimed responsibility for the 10 acid attacks in May 1998. With most law enforcement agencies hunting down high-profile bombers like Eric Rudolph, the incidents received little attention by comparison. An FBI spokesperson called the attacks a hate crime, though no arrests were made. No one publicly took credit, but whoever was behind the attacks wasn't about to stop. Five more clinics were vandalized with butyric acid in July, this time in Louisiana. Two days later, four acid attacks hit Houston, with one putting nine people in the hospital. In total, facilities suffered about $100,000 in damages over the course of 1998, causing many to close for days or weeks. Unfortunately, things only got worse as the year drew to a close. Late on the afternoon of October 23rd, 52-year-old physician Dr. Barnett Slepian was killed by a high-caliber rifle shot through a window. The bullet barely missed Slepian's son, who was right beside him. The trigger was pulled by 44-year-old Christian terrorist James Kopp. Unlike the anonymous acid attacker, Kopp was captured and brought to justice in 2001. After the horrific murder of Dr. Slepian, violence against healthcare providers and facilities declined in 1999. Although anti-abortion terror lives on today, we have yet to see another year like 1998. Hopefully, we never will. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. 
Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson.